I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. The way you were raised has a lot to do with how you parent. So today we're going to talk about attachment style. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. A Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years and I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course. And I'm the mom of two girls, ages 7 and 10. And today I have my dear friend and guest, and well, I'll let her introduce herself to you, Carla Nomberg. Hey, Hunter. Hi, everyone. This is Carla. I'm a clinical social worker living just outside Boston. I've written two books on mindfulness and parenting, and I have two daughters who are almost done with first and second grade. Yikes, they're getting so old. I can't deal with it. Oh my God. Needs to stop. The world is spinning too fast. Also, I should say to our listeners that I have a cold. So if my voice sounds a little hoarse, it's because I have a cold. You sound husky. Oh yes. (laughs) Kathleen Turner. Remember her? Does anybody remember her? Oh, I totally remember her. Yeah. Thank you. I can picture her, uh, like her swept back. She had like that feathered. Yeah. Feathered. Who feathers their hair anymore? I do every day. (laughs) Every morning I wake up early and feather my hair. So in this episode, we are going to talk about attachment style. And um, it is when we are coming out. This is is late May, starting beginning of summer uh, 2017. If you're listening in the future or if you're listening in 2017, we are so happy that you're here. And I'm grateful that you are here, dear listener. Uh, There are some things going on that you should know about that one exciting announcement that I'm super excited about is that um, I have, we have turned the mindful parenting eight week course into a self-study option. And this is really exciting for people who really wanted to take the full course with all the coaching, but uh, it wasn't in their, their budget. And now you have a self-study option and that is going live on my website. So you can find out more about that um, at 
hunteryoga.com slash work with me. And um, if you are a parent educator, I'm also starting the mindful parenting teacher training. And that this is exciting for people who want to teach mindful parenting locally. So super exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm super excited. It came it came through popular requests. People wanted it, which is so cool, right? Didn't um, know that was an option. That's, that's really cool. Very cool, right? So today we are gonna talk about attachment style and Carla, you're a clinical social worker, so you learned about this, but I learned about this in college too. And I learned about, if you don't know what attachment style is, we're going to talk about what it is, but it all kind of goes back to some research done in the 50s, I think, 1950s, 60s, 60s, 60s with Bowlby. And it's funny because the research was, if you look back and you see these pictures of the research, he does these, he works with these little monkeys, which are so cute, and he gives oh. them... He gives them like a uh, a sort of surrogate mother, and one is sort of cuddly, and he wanted to know, do the monkeys want sort of, um, do they want, do they want comfort, or do they want food? Like, because some of the ideas out there were just that we attach to our parents just because they feed us, right? And he made these he made these uh, surrogate monkey mothers, and one was this cold metal. <laughs> Oh, monkey mother. There's and actually videos and the videos are like so sad. They're so sad. They break my heart. Oh. Um, and this cold metal monkey mother has food that that they the baby monkeys eat from. But then they have the option of having this other monkey mother who is like soft and furry. And and ba- the monkeys, they they went they would cling to this soft cuddly furry monkey mother and then if they were hungry they would go over to the cold metal monkey mother and what well, is and they actually preferred the soft furry monkey mother so the bottom line for all you parents out there is if you hug your kids enough you don't have to feed them <laughs> yes exactly it's fine the end done attachment theory right there boom let's move on <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like already like, what am I going to feed them for dinner? And I have no idea. Go ahead, Hunter. You're doing great. Food. <laughs> but it was interesting. This was interesting for me because when I learned about attachment theory, I, you know, they teach you that this sort of attachment style, how it refers to sort of the inner, our inner working model on how relationships function, right? And yes. how we relate to the important people in our lives and the attachments we form in our early relationships with our care to, caretakers can have a serious impact on our feelings of security or insecurity, anxiety, fear, avoidance, all these different things in all our relationships throughout our lives. And I, so you can have a, um, you can have these different kinds of attachment style that, that really shape how you experience life. And, and it depends on different things. So well, what we're, what we would all like to have ideally is a secure attachment. And we would like to have our kids to have a secure attachment. And that's when a child feels safe, soothed, seen, and secure. So that they feel like their caretaker is a secure base from which to venture out and explore the world. And then, you know, a secure attachment really indicates, it correlates with lots of you know, security in life, feeling better in your, you know, identity and yourself and all these things. And, and then on the other hand, there's these other attachment styles. One is in like an anxious or insecure attachment style where children don't feel 
maybe they didn't have a secure an as a secure attachment as a child and so they feel they maybe feel they have like an emotional hunger or they they feel anxious or clingy around a parent who maybe isn't meeting their needs necessarily quite so much and then there's um an avoidant attachment style if children you know the parent might feel like an emotional desert and um they Ooh, that's a good phrase yeah they learn that yeah. the best way to get their needs met by their parent is to kind of act like they don't have any and, and so they kind of pretend that they sort of don't have any needs and they should keep the an emotional distance to be safe and then the very worst kind is this disorganized attachment style is when it's like you know you might have a frightening childhood a really unpredictable and, and frightening childhood um does that sum it up carla what do you think it definitely sums it up and there are a few uh extra points i'd like to add on to clarify if that's if that's okay yeah absolutely one is attachment theory which is what we're talking about is different from attachment parenting and i just want to take a moment to get very clear on that because sometimes i get confused attachment theory is a psychological theory about how our early relationships can influence our later relationships and our growth and learning. Attachment parenting is a specific model of parenting put forth by Dr. Sears, where he talks about specific ways of parenting your child, you know, um, co-sleeping, extended breastfeeding, baby wearing, etc. And his belief is that, that those particular methods of parenting um, will form a stronger attachment. I haven't seen that data. I don't know if that's true. I did not practice attachment parenting, but I just want to be clear. Those are two different things. If attachment parenting works for you, that's great, but that's not what we're talking about today. Okay. The next point I want to make is that um, attachment theory is very much grounded in Western research. It makes a lot of sense uh, to the Western sensibility in terms of the idea is that children generally, the thinking in this theory, get attached to one caregiver um, and that they need that primary caregiver. And often, quite frankly, it, it is the mother just because of the way our families in Western society often tend to be set up. Um, that's not necessarily true. It's, it can be the father. It can be a grandparent. It can be whoever. They just need one is the thinking. Um, you don't see these habits as much in non-Western societies where there isn't a primary caregiver, but a child is literally raised in a village. So it's, it, I just want to put it in context. Mm -hmm. ha and the other thing I want to say is um, it's not determinate. Like this is not – if your child is healthily attached, they will grow up and only have healthy relationships. Or if your child has an insecure or avoidant attachment, they're going to grow up and suffer and struggle in relationships their whole life. Of course not. But the thinking is that the early relationships are kind of like a template or a lens through which your child may see – relationships in the rest of their life. And the way to think about it is, um, at the risk of oversimplifying, the devil we know is better than the devil we don't know. Mm -hmm. So if you grow up in an insecure attachment relationship, you may be more likely to sort of um, unconsciously or subconsciously recreate that later in life because it feels familiar. Even though it doesn't feel good or it's not the healthiest, however we define that relationship, it feels familiar. Um, and the last thing I want to say about attachment relationships is that um, sometimes you're in the middle of a sentence and you forget what you're saying and that <laughs> happens. Hold on. I've got it. It's coming back. Um, that, um, oh, the importance of attachment relationships in early childhood is not just about the impact they may have on later relationships. It 
the thinking is that it impacts other areas of development because if a child is securely attached, if they know they have a safe home base, they have a parent who's got their back, that you know they have a place they can go when they need to be reassured or feel safe, they're going to have a lot more psychological, physical, and emotional energy with which to explore the world and learn and grow. Whereas if they're constantly worried about where's my parent, are they going to show up for me? Do I need to worry? Will they be at school pickup? Will they respond to me when I'm crying? And again, many of these worries can be subconscious or unconscious. But if a child is using a lot of their psychological, physical, or emotional energy, worrying about that connection and how to get it and if they're going to get it, they won't have that energy available to learn and grow and explore the world. So the thinking is that a secure attachment not only can be or may be a predictor of future healthy relationships, but it can also support sort of healthier, more um, expansive development throughout childhood, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, it was interesting. Like, I I have a fascination with this attachment, too, because when I learned about attachment in my college psychology class, I remember really at that point in my life, that was when I was really um, struggling a lot with my own insecurities and my own emotional ups and downs. And I was reading, um, I had started reading a lot about mindfulness and I was really trying to figure out like sort of why I'm you know, what I was like, what, what's wrong with me? Because <laughs> we all are in college, right? I feel like that's the college narrative. What is wrong with me? Exactly. But I realized that I had grown up with a lot of a feeling of a lot of like insecurity as a, a kid. And, and I kind of I for me, there was kind of a light bulb. When I learned about attachment theory, I thought, Oh, I was insecurely attached. This is like, it felt like what, at least what I was learning then, I felt like, oh, this really describes how I feel. Like that I felt like at s- to some degree on the spectrum, I was insecurely attached. And it was interesting. I found out I came home and I talked to my parents. My parents are wonderful, good parents, but. Um, one of the things I found out is that my mom and dad, you know, they went, um, on vacation for a week. I think when I was six weeks old or six months old or something like that. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think I remember it was six weeks old and they took me and left me with my grandparents and they went off on a vacation for a week. And I remember thinking, Oh, you know, it's like, that's it. That's it. This is that's the when they screwed me up. <laughs> know, that's totally. why I'm in therapy that week. No, Hunter, sweetie, <laughs> don't do that. It doesn't work that way. Parents, you can go on vacation. It's okay. Well, you know, thinking about when a child is really, uh, an infant is really, really small and thinking about how that can be confusing, right? When you're, um, when you're, when you're a very, very small child, you don't understand and you may not know these sort of grandparents. And I thought, oh, well, maybe this is, this is something, you know? And so I don't know. Yes, I've always absolutely. kind of wondered about that personally. I've never, I've never actually, I don't know if you can test your attachment style, but then. So, but then yes. I, I, well, let me just, you're, you're going to respond, but, but then I realized as I've gone through my mindfulness practice and things like that, and I feel like I've shifted my attachment style, but that's always been kind of a worry for me is that I'm going to pass on this. <laughs> It sounds so funny now that I say it out loud, but that I'm going to pass on this. You know, I was worried about that when Maggie, my oldest daughter was young, that I was going to pass on 
this insecurely attached attachment style. Well, this is important. Let's talk about this because you've raised a lot of really important points. Mm -hmm. First of all, one of the, I have so much to say, let's start talking. Here I go. Okay. (laughs) First of all, um, I want to be clear that even though it is um, fun and enjoyable and makes life happy to put things in little boxes and say, either you are this or you are that, that's not reality. Mm -hmm. And so the way they came up with these categories of attachment style, secure, insecure, blah, 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 is this psychologist named Mary Ainsworth followed up on Bowlby's work. And she did what she called, I think, either the stranger or the strange room experiment where she had a baby maybe a toddler, I don't know, some kids, um, and a parent in a room, and then the parent would leave, and they would observe how the child dealt with that, and then how the child responded when the parent came back. And then they also did a similar variation of that study where there was some kind of stressor going on, and the parent left. So this is really based on observations of children, and they, they sort of figured out these categories based on how did the child deal when the parent left and how did they deal? How did they respond when the parent came back? Now it's not like little babies always respond in one of four perfectly predictable, consistent (laughs) ways. So there are variations. It's a spectrum, right? So yes, you can be securely attached and have anxiety that doesn't, you know, or you can be a little bit like I, I, you can be a little bit anxious attached. So it's a spectrum, right? And the question is, is it good enough? Are your current relationships working for you? Do they feel healthy? Like, and that's something a therapist can help a person tease out. Like we're not going to diagnose that in a podcast. Um, so for, for listeners who are interested, please don't let this increase your anxiety. This should just be like, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, also there has been some very interesting research about sort of how you can change your attachment style. If you think you have an insecure or avoidant or disorganized attachment style. And the most promising research has to do with the ability to tell the story of your childhood in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when you can develop a sort of coherent narrative about here's what I went through, here's how it impacted me, and here's how that shows up in my daily life, then you can make sense of it. And here's the example I like to give. It's like our childhood is a puzzle and we've got all these pieces scattered everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're an adult and your children are showing you all these pieces scattered everywhere. And you're like, Ooh, I don't know how to put a puzzle together. So now I'm facing this puzzle again. I don't, I don't know how to do this, but if you've taken the time to sort of assemble a puzzle of your childhood, and again, this is when therapy can be super helpful and you can say, Oh, this is how this piece fits in here and connects to this piece. Then all of a sudden, when you're facing this puzzle again, as you will, as we all do when we become parents, Mm -hmm. you can start to put the pieces together in a way that makes sense and you can recreate a different attachment style. Mm -hmm. So the most clear research really is, it's not about, can you go out and develop the healthiest relationship on the planet? Cause that's like, that's why I don't even know how to do it. Like, what is that? (laughs) It's, can you really get clear on what your childhood was like and how it's impacting you now. And we all have a story there. And the best book that parents can read about this is parenting from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And why is the name of the author not in my brain right now? Siegel, Dan Siegel and um, Mary Hartz. Hartzell, yeah. Mary Hartzell. Yeah. So if parents want to learn more about that, they, they do a nice job of explaining that piece. Yeah. Um, so that's, 
that's cool. Um, well, no, but, I want to, can I pick up on what you're saying about the yeah, story? Yeah. Cause I think this is really important. And, and the work that Dan Siegel and Mary Hartzell did in their book, Parenting from the Inside Out is really valuable and, um, really worth, worth reading and checking out. And that, that part about our own self-awareness of our story, yes. I think is so, so important. And, and in the mindful parenting course, that's what we bring into in right in the second week. First, we start off with let's get our own mindfulness practice so that we can start to be grounded. But in the second week, we start with what let's be have this self-awareness of where are we coming from? Because sometimes when we start to look at the story of our own childhood, we start to understand that, oh, when I'm freaking out, when my kid doesn't listen to me, you know, it, it may be because I felt like I wasn't listened to as a kid. Like we really, we really need to understand when we're reacting out of old issues versus just reacting for, out of responding to what's really happening in the present moment. And I think it's really valuable to, to do that work and understand our story and start to, to look, also look at our story, not as, yeah, not as like what you said, like, oh, my gosh, my parents messed me up. <laughs> but look at it. Look at our story and say, OK, this is this is what has happened. And this is what I'm going to learn from it. These things are my teachers, not yes. these things are bad things. And my captors or something. Yeah, yeah. But look at these things as these experiences are my teachers. And I really feel like that was important for me, you know, looking at my own experience as a teacher of this is what I, this is, these are these beautiful good seeds I really want to take forward and continue on with my children. And these are some, these are some seeds that, that came forward that maybe were unskillful and I don't want to bring forward, but I have to be aware of what's there before I can maybe totally. make a choice to pass on or not pass on. And if you, yes, this is people, like if you have a chance to take Hunter's Mindful Parenting course, she knows what she's talking about. She's the real deal. It's awesome. <laughs> Little plug there. <laughs> Thanks. Guys. Another thing that I want to say for parents is, please, please, parents, do not come away from this conversation feeling terrified, shamed, <laughs> blamed. That's, that's not where I want you to come from. And I want to offer a few things that may help you with that. First of all, please do not come away from this thinking that if you ever go on vacation or if your child, <laughs> you know, spends if you have a full-time job and your child is with a nanny or a caretaker or in like that, they're going to have a a terrible attachment to you. Absolutely not. Please don't worry about that. That's not what we're talking about. In addition, I don't want parents to feel like, um, that they have, that this means you have to pay attention to your children all the time that you're with them. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not how you, so let's get clear about the difference between attention and attunement. Mm -hmm. These are my two little words. I like this, Carla. So, Speak attention. It, mama. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me cough. Don't do that. Okay. So attention, you know what it is. It's like when we're looking at our child, we're interacting with them and we're, we're paying attention to them. And I think a lot of parents think can get confused and think that's what sort of a healthy relationship looks like. Like you're being a good parent if you're paying a lot of attention to your kids. Well, there are times when our children don't actually need our attention and our attention can feel intrusive interrupting, confusing to them. So what we really want to focus on is attunement. And attunement is basically when you're on the same wavelength as your kiddo. So here's how, here's an example of how I try to do this every afternoon. So when my daughters were young, I would pick them up at school and I would get home and I'd be like, okay, now we're going to have like 
mommy daughter time because I feel guilty about being at work today <laughs> and I'd like be in their face. And, you know, sometimes that would work because they actually needed me. And then sometimes they would go off and play. And I was like, but wait, guys, here I am. What about me? I'm the mommy. <laughs> and like, then I would get annoyed and then I'd feel bad and confused. And then when I started practicing mindfulness, I was like, oh, I need to observe what's going on, get some clarity on what they need and then respond appropriately. So now what I do is every afternoon when we come home from school, I just sit down on the couch and I watch them and I wait. I resist the urge to unload the dishwasher, which is what I want to do at every moment of my life, apparently. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just like obsessed with the dishwasher. So I sit on the couch and sometimes they crawl all over me and I just need to let that happen because they need physical attention. And sometimes they throw massive tantrums and then I need to help manage that. And sometimes they're like off and running, like they've got a Lego game or something they've started at school or they've got books they want to read or something. And I'm like, sweet, I'm out of here. I'm going to go unload the dishwasher. Because in that moment, they don't need my attention. So a secure attachment is when a child knows that a parent is going to be responsive to their needs. And sometimes what they need is for us to leave them the hell alone. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to know that if you're so busy. And we all, we all do this, which is going to bring me to my next point in a minute. We all get so lost in our own mind of this is what a good parent looks like or I'm feeling a pressure to do this or I'm stressed about that. And we end up reacting to that and behaving that way as opposed to taking a minute to observe our children and then trying to figure out what we need to do that they, in response to what they need. Now, mm -hmm. here's the thing. For a successful attachment, as best as we can quantify this, and this is a theory. We're all trying to figure it out. Your children need you to be attuned to them approximately 30 to 50 percent of the time. <laughs> That's great. I did not say 80 to 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. That means parents, if what is a 50? A 50 in grades is like a D or an F, right? <laughs> so essentially, if you feel like you're failing at parenting, you're probably getting it right, unless you're actually really failing at parenting, but we can talk about that later. And that's, I mean, those are extreme examples. And my guess is if you're listening to this podcast yeah, and you're, you're failing, not. At, you're probably not. But if, if look, <laughs> the biggest thing that comes up is if you never see your kids or if you're not sober when you're around them or mm -hmm. there's physical violence in your house, let's have a conversation. Reach out to me and Hunter and we'll talk about it, but that's a different story. If you feel like you are getting it wrong with your kids, like you're showing up every day, you're sober, you're trying to connect with your kids and you're getting it wrong at least half the time, that's okay. You're probably still getting it right enough. So what can you do? What are we shooting for? We're shooting for rupture, repair, repeat. This is the life cycle of a healthy relationship. You screw up, you go to your kids and reconnect with them, whether it's a hug or an apology or, hey, let's talk about that. And then it happens all over again. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. not, oh, I'm like perfect Mary Poppins all the time. You're not. None of us are. So don't worry mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Hunter? Was that okay? Did I get too off track? No, no. I think that's beautiful. I mean, you're pointing out that it's not attachment. A secure attachment is not about perfect parenting. It's about good, right. good, that idea of good enough parenting. And really like, you know, who wants, who wants perfection anyway? But really secure attachment is about showing up, being real, being present, right? Like maybe yeah. not 
being completely lost in your, you know, you don't want to be lost in your, in your thought and completely unaware and always in the future and always worrying about the dishes. But uh, I love the dishes. I really <laughs> want, I just want to load dishwashers all day, apparently. Oh um, yeah, or make your kids unload the dishes. <laughs> That's, that's our new I'm thing. working on it. I am working on it. We're I, getting there. We're, yeah. They're, they're, the, my kids are better at that than they won't. They're like squeamish about the dirty dishes, but they'll do the clean dishes. I think I'm getting sidetracked now. But my favorite quote in the world about parenting is this one um, by Thich Nhat Hanh. And he says, when you love someone, the best thing you can offer them is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? And I really... So- that just and and what I I know you're gonna point at this is well maybe I don't know I'm not gonna tell project, me but but what project I think away. you're what I think you're gonna point out is that what he's saying is you can offer that you can offer them your presence but what I want to also point out with this is that you can be present when you're present maybe thirty percent of the time or fifty percent of the time right. it doesn't mean you have to be there and be staring at your child and talking to your infant all the time and constantly engaging with them it just means in the rhythm of life you know when there's those times maybe it's that time after school or, or maybe it's that time at dinner or maybe it's that time at bedtime those are the times you put the cell phone down you don't you stop checking things you turn things off you try to, you practice to let go of all the sort of thoughts oh my gosh if they don't do this we won't do that and we've got to get the teeth brushed and if we don't get right. done in 5 minutes bedtime's going to be a mess you know try to get out of all that worry and all that fear based thinking and just be present for this a miracle of another human being here on this earth that came from your body, you know, most likely maybe, you know, I mean, just be present for that. And, and the way, yes, I love that. And so there's two ways parents can think about this. One is when do they need you to be an active parent and when do they need you to be a houseplant parent? And this was, <laughs> I, I did not come up with this houseplant idea. I think I read it in an article in the New York times, but the idea is that sometimes our parent, our children need us to actively interact with them. And sometimes they kind of just need us to be over in the corner so they know they're okay, but we're just kind of chilling. And and in those times, I would recommend, you know, that's a great time to um, pretty much do anything, I would say, except chill on your smartphone. And here's why. Sometimes it is. I'm talking about my own experience. In the precious after school hours I have, I've noticed, because I love my smartphone more than almost anything, uh, that if I, if they need me to be a houseplant parent in that time. And if I get on my phone, no matter what I'm doing, there's something about the screen that kind of sucks me in. And I find it very hard to be responsive to my children. I feel like they're interrupting me in an annoying way, even if what they're asking for is quite reasonable. So if it's um, a time when I feel like this is the time I want to be present for my kids, but they don't quite need me now, the things I do are dishwasher, obviously, clean the kitchen, tidy up. Um, I'll read a magazine. I'll pull out a book. I'll pull out my crocheting. Um, the kinds of things that will busy me, I'll sit and just sort of notice my breathing while I chill. Mm -hmm. The kind of things that will busy me so that I'm not being intrusive with them, but they don't suck me so far away mentally from my children that I have a hard time reengaging when it's time. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's what my smartphone does. It really does kind of suck my attention away so far. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is now 
Well, I think, I think that's yeah. smart. I think that's a good observation about yourself. And and I think that like when I look at my, and this, this kind of maybe goes, what I do is I get, you know, I'll be there with my kids and then I'll decide I need to like do something right now. Like, so we have this sort of sun greenhouse kind of part in the front of our house and this sunroom. And I've decided that I want to move these certain drawers out there and I'll be, I'll just get like, I'll get like, I need to do this right now. And I'll just get driven by this intense urge to like do something, whether it's move the furniture or whatever it is. And I, I can really, it's so funny because speaking about what your parents pass on, I can really see my mother in this and like her, like she's decided to do something and she will do the thing. <laughs> That's right. And, and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I like the idea of what you're saying. I'm going to think about this house plan idea because I'm so not a houseplant then, because then I'm like, Maggie, you didn't pick up that thing, and I need to get it out of the way so I can move this furniture and blah blah blah. Oh, totally. You know, and I'm just like, I'm like, <laughs> like a a driver. You know, I feel like I'm like a construction head worker. I don't know, site head or something. Where like, you do this now, and you do this now, and I'm trying to kind of order them around. Um, but I think I will st- strive for more houseplantishness. Well, and I, I want to be aware. Yeah, houseplants are nice. Um, I don't have any because I kill them. But that's what, no, I have a cactus. It's really hard to kill a cactus. Um, I, I am aware that some of our readers, or sorry, listeners, might be listening to this and being like, "Guys, that's great. I wish I could go off in the corner while my kids play, but they're all up in my space all the time. Yeah, like, how do I get them so away true. from me?" And I, I, that's legit. And so. There's there's sort of two ways to think about this. Sometimes your kids just need you. They've had a really rough day. They need that connection or whatever it is, or they just want to be with you. And that's that's part of parenting. And hopefully we can show up for it and enjoy it. Or if it's not pleasant, just hang in there with it. And that's what a mindfulness practice helps us do is be present even when it's not pleasant. Look at that. That was so nice. Mm. I rhymed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But that's another time. And this is a conversation for another time is how do you set up um, a home and a schedule and essentially train your kids to play independently. Mm, we should, um, and we should a, talk about that. That should be a whole episode, Carla. Oh, it's such an important life skill and it teaches them so much and it saves your, your sanity. If you are a parent, it saves your sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can talk about that. And the last thought I had about attachment theory is if you're struggling with like, how do I do this? What am I, is this okay? Is this not okay? First of all, talk to your friends, friends who support you and love you. Talk to a therapist, come see someone like me. I have a private practice outside Boston. Go talk, you know, get some private coaching from Hunter if she's available, whatever it is. Um, But also imagine, how do you want your children to be able to function in an adult relationship? You know, think, uh, think about like a romantic relationship. For example, do you want them to go to their spouse or partner for comfort when they're upset? Probably yes. Okay, good. So we're going for that. Do you want them to be okay if their spouse or partner has to go away for a few days or a week from work? Yeah, you probably do. So you want them to learn that a person they love can go away and will return. Now that's not Mm -hmm. to say you're going to like engineer like, hey, honey, let's train our kids. So we have to leave them for a week every time. But no. But if if you want to take a vacation. If you, you know, need to go away from work, this is not a failure. Like this Mm -hmm. is an opportunity for them to learn. So you make sure they have a safe place that someone they love is going to take care of them. You talk to them about, I'm going away. This is when I'm going to come back. We'll Skype while I'm gone. You know, you can check off days on the calendar. 
I'll sometimes leave a little like note card that I just write like it's a three by five card and I'll write mommy loves you. I'll be back on Tuesday. And I draw a little smiley face for it and I leave it for them the next morning. So it's kind of like this little thing they have mm-hmm. that reminds them when I'm coming back. So, but you don't want a person, ideally we would love it if our kids can be flexible in relationships, if they can learn that you can get in a fight with somebody and the relationship is still okay. Like a fight Mm -hmm. doesn't mean the end of a relationship. That's just part of what it means to be connected to someone. So think about what would you like your children to be able to do and how you would like them to function in adult relationships and then give them opportunities to practice that. And you don't have to create these opportunities. Life is going to make them happen and you have to let them happen. If that makes sense. I think that's a beautiful way of looking at it, Carla. And I, that really goes to what a lot of what I think about, like in parenting in general with our kids is that too often we think of these relationships with our kids as these sort of, um, other relationships and kids are almost like in this other class of human being that we treat differently, right? That's because they don't wipe themselves. <laughs> that's true. We do treat them differently. I don't wipe anybody else's tushy on the entire planet. (laughs) But I mean, and of course, we do treat them differently to some degree. But also, we can we can also think of our relationships with our kids as our relationships with a a whole bunch of other people, like that you know, where we can talk to them about our own needs, and we can you know just have anyway. That's a whole other conversation. But I really like what you were saying about that. I think that's good. And and the one caveat I want to add to that is you want to do it in a developmentally appropriate Mm -hmm, way. mm -hmm. Like you want to think about, and again, this is a time where if you don't have a sense of what that means, if you're like, well, my kid is two and what's okay, and my kid is four and what's okay, this is a time when you need your village. You need Mm -hmm. to talk to other mothers because there is value in being able to say, well, hon, sorry, that's just the way we all did it back then. Like that's not nothing. That's a narrative. It matters. Or you talk to a therapist or you talk to somebody, your mother, your grandmother, who are the elders with wisdom in your community that you can go to and say, how do I manage this? Is this okay? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about it. Cool. Well, I hope we haven't gotten you completely confused about attachment styles, your listener. And, um, and I, and I hope this has instead offered some, some clarity and some things like that. Um, Carla, do you want to share some parenting wins and failures? (laughs) I do. I do. I was thinking about this. Okay. So my parenting failure was, uh, it was just a perfect moment of misattunement and not being mindful. My little girl had a really rough day at school yesterday and my kids are doing this thing. They're six and and eight, almost seven and eight. And they're doing this thing where they, they want to have like private conversations with mommy at night where they tell me about like primarily the social stressors happening at school. Mm -hmm. And my daughter had wanted to have this private conversation right before bedtime. And I got really hung up on like, you're exhausted. You need to go to bed. And I told her we couldn't have it. And I was like, no, no, we'll do it tomorrow. And she was really anxious about forgetting what you need to talk about. And I, no, no, just go to bed. You need to go to bed. We'll talk about it in the morning. And you know, 20 minutes later, she's downstairs. She wants to have, and it was like a back and forth. And finally I was like, okay, this is happening. She needs to have this. It literally took her like a minute and a half to get everything out. And she was done. And I just, I was so hung up on the child has to go to bed right now that I couldn't hear how much she needed this. And we got it out, but you know, she went, she ended up falling asleep like 25 minutes later than I wanted her to, as opposed to a minute and a half later, because I was being bullheaded. So that's my failure. I feel like I so relate to that, Carla. Like I, I, that is exactly where my brain would go so many times, especially at the end of the night. Cause I'm so like, oh, at the end of the night, I'm done. I'm like, okay. Like go to bed. Go go. to bed. 
get away. Go go away. (laughs) You know, I think this is where, you know, part of mindfulness is really coming into the present moment and accepting or at least acknowledging what you find there. And I think parents can get hung up on like, should I just accept when my parent, when my kid is being a jerk, like, and just let it be okay. No, it's not about whether or not you let it be okay, but I couldn't even accept how much she needed to tell me this. Like I couldn't, I was not even acknowledging it really. And when I did, it did not turn out to be a huge deal and she got her needs met and I got my need met was for her to go to bed. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let, let's, you know, I think maybe we should pa- both share our failures and both share our wins. All first, right, go ahead. You know, because I've now that you've shared your failure, I want to share mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, how I, I was saying, I get so bullheaded about an idea. Like, I, I'm like, oh, this thing has to happen right now. Yes. Oh, totally. Anyway. I, I totally relate to that. <laughs> so um, Bill was away at North Carolina in North Carolina this past weekend. Um, and I was home with the girls on my own. And over the weekend, what happened? Something happened. I So I asked for their help with something because I had all the stuff in the house, right? So I asked them to help me. Oh, I can't remember what it was. I asked them to do something around the house, like pick up something or put away the clean dishes, whatever it was. And my youngest daughter, who's seven, was refu- was didn't want to do it. And of course, I'm like, help and help right now in this second. You know, I don't like. Yes. I don't allow for some time period. And anyway, I just was so, um, I don't know what it was. Like, I think we had had this lazy morning and, and I hadn't moved my body or whatever. I don't think I meditated that morning and I, she didn't want to help. And, and I just was, had this mommy tantrum where I literally, like I, we have our stairs, like go part way up and there's a landing and then it goes all the way up. And I literally was like stomped up the stairs and like stomped my feet on the landing. I was I like, love it. That's I'm awesome. so frustrated and I feel bah, 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 bah. And like, good job. Mama. So like, I, I just it. was like, I was totally yelling and stomping my feet like on the landing. And, um, <laughs> And I, you know, I, I love you. I like a little, I feel like a little bashed because yes, I did create a course called the Stop Yelling Formula, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't follow it this time, and and that's that's actually part of the course is like you know is like that you're gonna not be perfect, right? Yeah. But um, and to accept that. So anyway, I afterwards it was a moment of that rupture and repair and i you know and actually they were they felt sorry they're like we're sorry that we we didn't help too much then my oldest did an extra thing to help me which was really nice because i just felt like i do everything and um and we had our repair after that and hugs after that but it was a a little bit of a rough morning where i did have a a temper tantrum you know i I don't think temper tantrums are, um, mommy temper tantrums are, are universal failures. Mm. Like, I don't think it's our job. Look, I hear you. Like, we never want to feel like I'm so out of control that I'm like stomping up the stairs and, you know, hopping <laughs> mad. But like, you know, I, I think that, um, we have our feelings. Kids, we have feelings. Our kids get to learn. We have feelings. And, you know, our kids will learn that big emotions happen and we can tolerate them and it'll be okay. And that, you know, they learn that their behavior impacts the people around them. Um, and make no mistake about it. A well-placed mommy tantrum can be a highly effective motivator. <laughs> it was. 
does. The problem is if you do it too often, it loses its power. It's true. So if you're losing your shit all the time, is that okay? I just said that. If you're losing your poop all the time, that's not as catchy. Um, you know, eventually your kids will get desensitized to it and it will damage the relationship. But, you know, I mean, a well-placed mommy tantrum sometimes just needs to happen and kind of, I feel like, straightens the ship a little bit. And there are probably parenting coaches who would disagree with that, but that's okay. We're keeping it real here. A listener, dear listener, I hope you feel like you're not alone if you have stomped your feet on the landing as well. Apparently, my mom never knew what the phrase hopping mad, like where it came from until I was like five or six years old. And I was so angry that I was literally hopping up and down. And she was like, oh, now I know what that means. So yes. (laughs) All right. What's your win? My win is that I have decided to institute Friday afternoon movie day as long as the kids want it. Because my kids get out of school on Friday afternoons. And uh, sorry, they all get out of school Friday afternoons. They get out early on Fridays. That's our early day. And we're done. We are all done. The kids are fried. Everybody's fried. I used to try to take them to the library and we'd have tantrums about books. I'd try to do some activity and like we would just all be snapping at each other and it was deeply unpleasant. And I'm like, all right, blankets, loveys, drinks, um, sippy cups, I should say, not drinks. It's not like I'm giving you a martini. (laughs) Milk, milk. I mean milk. have a beer child you'll be fine no milk milk i'm giving them milk and we just get cozy on the couch and we watch movie we just watch a movie and it's like we laugh together and we talk about the movie and it's funny and we're cuddling and um in an age when it's like screen time is the devil um you know and i do do we can talk about screen time in another episode hunter but um it just, it took the pressure off me. I find myself looking forward to Friday afternoons. It's like a fun thing. Um, and I'm just, I feel like it's kind of a parenting win to just let it be like, I'm going to stop working so damn hard on Friday afternoons. I'm done with it. Mm. We're just going to watch a movie. The three of us together cuddled up. So, um, last week it was spy kids, which is just a really terrible movie, but my daughters loved it. (laughs) I'm, I'm hoping for the Incredibles this afternoon. It's a Friday right now, but that might be a little scary for them. You know, so know, you know, it was great. Sing. That was the first movie I took my daughters to in the theater. They loved it. And the thing that I love the most is that my little one is such a tiny little peanut that she does not have the weight to keep the chair. open. <laughs> so she was like clamshelled into this. And I was like, Hun, would you like a booster seat there? No, she basically was sucking on her knees the whole movie and she loved it. Yes. Sing is an adorable movie. Maybe I'll get them to watch that again. That was cute. I love that. All right, what's your um, win? Let's hear it. Okay, um, my win is similar, actually. My win is that, so look back to when uh, Bill was away in North Carolina for three nights. Um, yeah. My win on that is that when he goes away, which he doesn't that often, but, you know, and I also, I want to say that I'm really glad to support him in doing something that is that he what he did is he went to the Moog Fest, which is a synthesizer festival of music music festival for three nights with his friends, which is awesome. Like, I really want him to have his own fulfilled, thriving life. And he has his own artist artist life. And, you know, he he works. But I want I you know, I think it's really important for partners to support each other to do things like this. Right. Anyway. So I totally support him doing that. And when he's away, my win is that is that I am I go really easy on myself. So I 
took my kids out to not only breakfast on Friday, but also dinner on Saturday so that I wouldn't have to cook and clean. Love it. And I just kind of make it really easy, like except for when I had my tantrum on Sunday because I was trying to get everything, get things done. But until that time, the, the win was that I was, I'm easier on myself when he's away. And I think that's really important, like to just like chill out, lower standards, you know, times and just let, you know, give ourselves the shortcut for our happiness and well-being rather than trying to go the hard way all the time. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's, And that's are you my... saying you made it to like the end of a three-day solo parenting weekend and that was when you had your tantrum? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I have mine like five minutes in. I'm like, daddy's gone. Everybody freak out immediately. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. We do okay. We do okay. Um, oh my gosh. And, and I am aware that there may be uh, single parents out there listening to our podcast. And um, once again, props to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I wish um, I had like an applause sound track there because, yeah, we we don't it, – it's, it's a whole new level of logistical difficulty. And I know from my, you know, many friends who are single parents that they're like, yeah, yeah, stop. I'm just doing what needs to be done. And yes, that's true. That's what we parents do. We do what needs to be done and we can still acknowledge um, mm -hmm. that it's helpful to have a parenting partner and it can be harder at times when you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Carla, for thank you, coming, coming. And uh, so I just want to share with the listeners. So just a quick recap, we talked about attachment style on uh, mindful mama.podcast mindfulmamapodcast.com you can find the show notes for this episode you can find a link to Carla's website and her therapy practice in Boston and her books which are really great Parenting in the Present Moment and Ready, Set, Breathe about sharing mindfulness with your kids so that is over at hunteryoga.com under work with me and, um, and then the teacher training so exciting. You can just email me at hunter at hunteryoga.com if you have any questions or about that. And then uh, let's see what else we want to thank. Thank William Fields for the music. Thank you, honey. Oh, good job. Yes, thank you, Bill. <laughs> and thank you, Carla, for coming on. I love talking to you every month. It's great. I love it. It makes me very happy. And I hope everyone out there has a great weekend. And as you prepare for this summer, don't stress. It's going to be okay. Yes. Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Oh, God. You're doing that again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Namaste. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.